in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one, or in this case, half of a chapter at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you this fine day. Good to see you. How you doing? Getting to enjoy the sunshine? I haven't been out in it very much, but it is a very nice sunshine. You're not able to do your counseling practice outside? Not especially, no. No, frowned yeah. upon. Yeah, did you get out of it at all? I did. Uh, I I learned yesterday that going out and playing disc golf alone mm-hmm. makes me kind of sad. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I think I'd rather just be going for a walk. So I just stopped and just went for a walk around the park instead. There you go. Yeah. Like I need somebody to be able to go. Oh my lord, that was a horrible throw. I need right. that like commiseration, and we can just share mm-hmm. the absurdity of how mediocre I am at that game. <laughs> Say love, yeah, sounds right. Yeah, but we've got a fair bit to talk about today. We are going to be talking about the first part of Ephesians two. If you haven't had a chance to read Brandon's translation, uh, for those of you joining on YouTube or Facebook, we'll have the translation up on the screen here momentarily. And for those of you listening, uh, we highly encourage you to read it through a link in the show notes. And as always, don't skip out on the footnotes. Uh, What we have on screen will not have those, but the link in the show notes will have that. So go ahead and give it a read. If you don't want to read it, Don't worry, Brandon's going to read it out loud here in a minute. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We've got it all set up on the screen here for you now. So I want to walk you through a few of the ideas we're going to talk about today. First one is in verse two. There's this language of mapped out by this world system, and usually it's the way things are in the world right now or something to that effect. Uh, in verse three, there's quite a quite a bit in there, but we want to talk about this language of bodies and flesh and desire uh, and human nature. So then uh, verse five, there's a translation decision that was very ambiguous that we'll talk about with since, but usually it's even though. Scrolling down to verse 8, I'll scroll down on my screen here. Uh, We've got liberated through faithfulness because of generosity. Now, that's usually saved through faith by grace, a very classic church phrase. So that's what we're going to talk through. But first, let's give Brandon a chance to perform a reading for us. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, so starting at the beginning of the verse, uh, right beginning of the chapter, verse one here. It is you who were lifeless through your shortfalls and deviations with which you used to walk, conforming to the age mapped out by this world system and conforming to the standard of the one who rules by the authority of the lowest atmosphere and the spirit breath now at work in those who refuse to be persuaded. That's a mouthful. Hmm. Along with them, We all also used to get turned around by the longings of our bodies, doing whatever our bodies and minds wanted, and we were aggressively reactive and childish like everyone else. But since God is wealthy with loving faithfulness, 
because of the extent of the love he gives us. And since we were lifeless through shortfalls, he brought us to life along with Christ. You have been liberated because of generosity, and he woke us up and seated us in the highest heavens along with Christ Jesus, so that he would show the surplus wealth of his generosity throughout the coming ages with beneficence for you through Christ Jesus. You see, you have been liberated through faithfulness because of generosity. This is not because of you. It's God's gift. It's not because of accomplishments, so no one should take pride in it, since we are his doing, created with Christ Jesus for beneficial accomplishments that God prepared in advance so that we may walk in line with them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Yeah, this first one here, let me highlight it on the screen. I can find it. (laughs) Uh, The age mapped out by this world system. Yeah. World is a is a screwy word in uh, the New Testament. It's Mm -hmm. so because it used that. It means like two or three different things. Yeah, depending on the context. Yeah, yeah, and uh, different authors like to use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So why? Yeah, did, we get we get in you, John. It kind of means just like all the people everywhere um, mm-hmm. is kind of how it usually ends up getting used. Um, and in Paul, in particular, but other places too, it gets used more in this sense here of like the way things are, basically, just kind of like how everything fits together, um, just the way things work. The status quo. The status quo. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard way too many teachings that talk about it like it means the planet, or maybe more like this dimension of reality as opposed to like heaven in another dimension of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not even an option. That's not what this is talking about. That's not how it's ever used. Um, it, it, so in order to like kind of show the, like the status quo-ness, the way things work, the way things are in the world as we know it, basically, yeah. just trying to like add the word system there uh, kind of like i would you in maybe john where it's talking about all the people everywhere add the word whole like the whole world um uh, mm-hmm. kind of helps clarify which way it's leaning in that oh, that's particular a concise spot. change there you can still have the word world you just gotta add the word whole and suddenly we all understand it means not mm-hmm. like the third rock from the sun uh right. terra that we live on it means everybody <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do here with system is just add a word to kind of like help lean which usage of world are we talking about here? Sure. Um, mm. Yeah. And then this phrase, like you won't see mapped out by in any other translation and there's no Greek word here that's being translated as mapped out. Um, what I'm trying to do is there's a, the, the grammatical construction that shows the relationship between the worlds is kind of ambiguous. Um, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to handle it. Um, 
because it's bit li- very literally it's something like conforming to the age of this world which is kind of it's not nonsense but it's very vague um and so other translations do things like the course of this present world or something like that to try to get a sense of yeah what it's getting at um there's a sense the way it's constructed is that the word world is describing the age basically and so it's trying to get a sense of it's the world it's the age that is characterized by the world in some way um that the world is determining what the age is like mm-hmm, an age mm-hmm. being the sense of like an era a long yeah. time yeah and this era is determined is shaped by the status quo it's mapped out by the status right. quo like there's all these doofuses in power and there's a lot of bullshit that we all have to suffer with and mm-hmm. it's like it's not saying you know that which is determined by materiality this is not a material versus immaterial that that rhetoric of flesh and spirit and world and like heaven and earth those are rhetorical contrasts mm-hmm. but it but it's within the context of a creational religion of Judaism and an incarnational religion of Christianity. Right. right. Yeah. So the we know that to... we go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, um, no oh, crap. I lost it. <laughs> well, I'll take the spot then. Uh, it's like the impulse to want to get out of dodge and have everything being about not being in this physical world but being in some spiritual disembodied existence mm-hmm. is not it's not from the bible it's not from yeah. judaism it's not from creation it's not from god it's it's from greek philosophy that showed up in the church being influenced by gnosticism yeah. um that literally has this system of like the creator God is evil. And it's like this heroic rebel deity being that's like trying to get away from the physical creation into like a disembodied existence. That's like the hero. Yeah. It it doesn't fit with Bible spirituality at all. And, and watch what happens here Um, by moving towards an evacuation kind of story where you know what? The cosmos is effed and God needs to just vacuum the good guys out of it mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, play football in his yard or whatever it is we do. I don't know what we do in heaven. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, not only is that problematic on its own, but what the intent of this verse is of mm-hmm. contrasting the work of the divine in opposition to the bullshit games of the status quo. Like you're, you're taking Mm -hmm. systemic evil, systemic sin out of the equation. Like it's very convenient to say, not only is it like a, a, a vacuum rapture kind of story, but also we're conveniently slicing out this stuff. That's very hostile to the systems that keep us alienated and divided and antagonistic Mm -hmm. yeah 
here that it's implying that becoming full of life instead of lifeless means that you're going to be directly challenging the systems of oppression that exist in the world. Yeah. But the kind of popular version of Christianity where it's about evacuating, going to the sky with sky daddy uh, (laughs) is we don't care. We don't have to fix the broken systems and oppression and we can just let it stay crappy because we're out of here. We don't care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So read this, reading this verse as you were lifeless through all of the things that were keeping you captive here. Uh, you were conformed by the status quo, like the power games and ego trips and empire um, silliness. That's what you were shaped by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the realm of like what a tiny level of authority that is, like talking about the, the lowest right. atmosphere later on in that verse. Like you're talking about the base level of silly games that, that people play the story you've been looped into is the highest heavens. It is the deepest note of reality of the creator revealed in Christ that you're now like, this is, this is the story. This is the identity that you have going forward. Mm-hmm. And there's not any like judgment here, really. It's just kind of a statement of fact, like that's what you grew up in. That's what you were taught. Like, and it didn't lead to any life givingness. It was like leading to, you know, just conforming to the way things are and it's oppressive ways, but yeah. And you had no reason to do anything else. Well, now you're being shown something better. That's that leads towards life instead. And, mm-hmm. and you're moving in that direction now. Awesome. Let's, let's, let's keep on in that way. Yeah. So there's another one of these dualisms that shows up in uh, verse three. Could you talk us through this? Yeah. So the the words that are kind of highlighted are the bodies, and in using the word body here instead of flesh uh, is the more traditional. Um. On the longings of our flesh, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't incorrect technically, it's one of those things that has become a really weird, kind of creepy religious technical term. I think, like purity um, culture and all that stuff, right? And and like so, having sexual desire is a sin fundamentally because it you feel it in your well flesh, right? I mean, it's literally like I've been toying with using at least in some places like body tissue to translate the Greek word is still voting for meat, <laughs> meat. Oh, that's just creepy in other ways. Carne. But... How about carne? <laughs> <laughs> now we're going with the Latin version of it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want tacos really... for dinner. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Carne asada. Yeah. We don't know. We don't want our carne being assaulted, but so the difference between soma, the Greek word body, and sarx, traditionally flesh, really is not in a difference of like what it's talking about so much as like how it's looking at it. 
So soma being like the body as a unit, like a body, it's yes. a, a unit of you know anything outside of my skin is not my soma. Anything in inside my skin is my soma. Yes, Here, like and it's one thing. Uh, Sarks, on the other hand, is just like this is body, this is body, this is body. Like it's just like the stuff the body is made of. Um, and that's that's the difference. End of difference in definition of the words. Uh, and so taking, and of course, we use words metaphorically as symbols and images and use it to mean more than the dictionary definition, right? So, that, yeah. so it's not the only thing it can be saying, but uh, to, to have so much theology built around like flesh is evil and then to have that being just like basically anything our body needs uh, is evil. Any desires that come from our body. But then we get to be really selective because I've, I've never heard a Christian say that wanting to eat when you're hungry is evil. Um, right. So we just get real selective. And the things that make me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. those are the sins of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's what Paul is ever talking about it's it's not about desires that originate in my body being inherently bad it's about being out of balance or having them be too much in the driver's seat of what i do like of course like it's okay to have sexual desires it it, it's okay i promise Mm -hmm. um even about people that you're not in a marriage relationship with, like it's part of existing as a human person, what you do with that, how much leverage you give it and, and how you behave and how you respond that matters. That starts to make real differences. And so it's not, even in this verse, it's not just we who used to have longings from our bodies. Yeah. No, it's we who used to get turned around, who got pulled, got distracted, going the wrong way that wasn't following the path of Christ. Yeah. When they get that kind of control, it's out of balance and it causes trouble, right? It's not that the longings themselves are inherently evil. Uh, it's when we do whatever impulses our bodies and minds bring up without question, that's when it starts to cause trouble, not the fact that our bodies and minds want things. No. Yeah. And here, in fact, it's not talking about sex at all. The example that he gives about what bodies long for, what bodies and minds want ends up being about being aggressive and reactive, impulsive and just like, like children bickering with each other. Not being able to hear hear other people's input and be able to get along and work things out and collaborate and have empathy for other people and instead just being reactive like you didn't give me what I want now I'm mad at you now you're you're my enemy like that's what he's talking about here it has nothing to do with sex yeah or any of the other things that the church has historically been talking about when they talk about the sins of the flesh yeah yeah. So how did you, how does this all 
take shape in the work of translating because you've still got the word bodies mm-hmm. there. Yeah, instead of flesh. Um, yeah. And it gets tricky too because there are times where it starts to feel like, well, I don't want to be too hard on bodies. Like bodies are good things, you know? They sure are, yeah. Um, and so I think it's being mindful about some of the ways that I'm translating the, the context around the words too. Mm-hmm. Like, like here, what's getting turned around by the bodies, doing whatever the bodies wants, like trying to make it clear that it's not just having a body is bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ends up being the message that yeah, we does. get. And that's not, it's, honestly, that's the work of the accuser. Mm-hmm. Um, and not not the work of the God who took on a body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of two some of the differences in other places are things like capitalizing body sometimes uh, mm-hmm. when it's talking about the body of Christ, which tends to be more like when it's talking about uh, the word soma instead of sarks, instead of the flesh where it ends up being about the body of Christ. Um, sometimes I'll use like personal body or physical body uh, when yeah. it uses sarks, try to, to emphasize those differences. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it really isn't an attempt to undo just, it's been in the church for a long time. It's not new. It takes on like new versions every so often um but this this hatred for the body which yeah kind of like we were talking about the world before like god created a physical world with physical bodied people yes yes these are good things and to try to somehow make physical being a physical thing bad is just it's disregarding what what the creator did what, what the creator is still doing Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like the whole thing needs a footnote. Like before you even open, like (laughs) at the start of the Bible, it's like, look, this is, this is part of our tradition Mm -hmm. and it it's compact and can be really helpful. And also almost immediately, almost immediately people began to make a ontological binary out of this. Therefore, all flesh Mm -hmm. is problematic. And so one of the early mistellings of the story, one of the early mistellings of the sacred story of Christ was that, well, he can't have been fully flesh. He -hmm. can't have been fully human because it's shitty to have a body. (laughs) It's problematic. Um, Yeah. That was less than a hundred years after Jesus. Yeah, like we started telling the story of he was just some quick. ghost. He didn't actually have a body; he just seemed like he had a body. And there was also another just relentless fixation on more, the mortification of desires and joy and bodily delight, and that's the paradox mm-hmm. of being formed by the story and grafted into the story of uh, Jesus and Israel is that. We, God lives in our desires, and so does mm-hmm. uh, things that pull us away from God. So does the status quo, and yeah. so and in our our desires are 
born and, and reside in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do with the fact that we desire? You can't not desire. You can't not long and hunger. Yeah. It's to, to deny all of that and try denying your body. I mean, one of the few good things about the Star Wars prequels, Brandon, <laughs> was uh-huh. the way they made the they reveal the Jedi's impulse to forsake all desire and commitment as boneheaded and psychotic in what led to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's like, I've, I can't shake this desire. I've got to go down this path. So giving people right. that ultimatum is is going to go poorly. Uh, it it yeah. shows up later in the book of Boba Fett as well. Yeah, if you don't give people well permission to be people to and, be humans. and figure out what to do with desires that do exist and instead tell them you just shouldn't have desires, they either, they have two options. Dehumanize themselves by suppressing all their mm. desire and just pretend like ignoring themselves, just dis- dissociating from themselves or dehumanize themselves by just saying, screw it. Whatever my desire is, it's in charge now because I you don't want to hear anything. These people have to say, because it's clearly nonsense. Right. Right. Mm. It's never healthy. It only leads to, unhealthiness in one of two other extremes well i'm grateful that you put your effort in here to be able to rein back those toxic directions and uh, not let us be mapped out by the status quo so you know let's let's change gears here a little bit uh in verse five there's this word since there it is. Yeah. So this one's w- one of the places where it's really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of how much at the mercy of whoever's doing the translation, most readers really are. Yeah. Um, it's very literally, it's something like being lifeless through shortfalls. Mm. So the sense of like, it's kind of um, this phrase is explaining another phrase in some way, but it's not really explicit how it's explaining it. Um, And so I made sense out of that. So being lifeless through shortfalls, he brought us to life along with Christ. Right. That just makes a lot of sense to me to make that as like, this is kind of causally connected here. Mm. Since we were lifeless through shortfalls, he brought us to life through Christ. Lifeless, have some life. Problem solved. Right. right. right? <laughs> um, Elegant. And it's not how it's translated by other at least some other translations. Um, NET does even though, NASB does even when, ESV does even when, 
and a new living translation even though uh nrsv even when king james even when it's this they all go this opposite direction of it's like you know it kind of doesn't make sense for have god to have done this because you didn't have any life in you but he decided to give you some life which at face value to me just makes no sense like no 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 wait it there is a connection there lifeless yeah have some life yeah it should not be that difficult but there's this theological commitment that we're all turds that don't deserve anything good yeah and that needs to be emphasized in every decision that's made as we translate so that the readers know like we're every, turds and yeah. should have bad things only. Again, this is the voice of the accuser and not of Christ. Um, people are landing on the wrong side of this here. Uh, but it doesn't say that. It just says this is connected in some way, but people are consistently making this interpretive decision of we got to make sure that however we translate this, it's showing that people are turds and worthless. What a bummer like that, that, that commitment to look, the truest thing that we can remember is going into this is you suck. Jesus Uh says you suck. You're a turd. And to, make every point possible like if there's a point in the greek where it says thou art a turd then you're going to translate it as thou art a turd Mm -hmm. but it doesn't so in the places like this where the greek between it just being a a language change and the Mm -hmm. fact that that paul or whatever whichever of paul's friends wrote this um they one they did a great job capturing how long-winded and rambly paul can get at times in all of his brilliance here (laughs) like Mm -hmm. this is a long sentence with some like double m dashes sprinkled throughout just try like capturing the like oh and also oh and also that's happening so in all of that fog of not fog of war i guess it's just fog of paul (laughs) there you go yes (laughs) yeah yeah, it's the uh, incense. Um, why would you commit to erring on the side of, hey, I think we can bend this note to say you suck? Like, like you said, yeah. that's that's the voice of the accuser, not of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Like, sure, we're we're born into a status quo that forms us away from the things of God absolutely the truest Mm -hmm. thing about everybody is that they're beloved not that they're a turd so to to bend the note in the greek here towards you suck is like yeah oh that that's the status quo i feel like we're trying to be delivered out of is like this this like world system of your shit yeah you're a turd and we have to make sure that we know who's the most turdy <laughs> so that we can yeah. know that we're better. Uh, it's just, it's nuts. It's, it just brings things. It just makes no sense. 
ex- except when you remember that the systems of the church institutions that have existed for a long time depend on everyone believing their turds. If that isn't a core belief, the whole system falls apart. And yeah, and only we can mediate how to be unturded. Right. Right. And frankly, I think that's the system, or at least one of the pieces of the system that Christ was Christ was explicitly trying to dismantle. Preach. Yeah. But when I yeah, when I came up, so that happens all the time, is that like translators have interpretive decisions to make and they're going to make it in the way that makes the most sense to them. Mm-hmm. I do that too. Everyone has to do that. There's no way yep. not to do that. But this one felt like a bit of a leap and it made it just so clear to me how your average reader, like 99.99% of readers, heck, even me, if I'm just reading my English Bible would have no reason to think that such like, a decision here that makes such a big change happened at all. I have yeah, no reason we, to know that it was could have been something else. Yeah, we don't know where those notes were bent or where mm-hmm. some, I mean, I think in Matthew, there were several points where it, we both were kind of floored by that's not, that's not at all what the Greek says. Like I can, there are places where you yeah. can kind of bend it they they were committed to saying something else here right but we don't know that reading it we just trust that these people are um prayerful christ-seeking people and they are Mm -hmm. prayerful christ-seeking people who there are certain we're all on different like points along a spectrum and or journey of getting detangled from some really toxic and dare i say satanic assumptions about the story we're living in and and the um the god that we're inhabiting yeah i think we need to re rename the the t in tulip from total depravity to turdiness turdiness it's good okay we'll work our way through all all of the rest of the letters um yeah yeah, they'll all just be turd. We'll just change it from tur- <laughs> tulip to turd. There you um, go. That we've already got the U. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go down to verse eight. There's this lovely phrase that, uh, yeah, is definitely a religious technical phrase uh, that Protestants love: uh, "saved through faith by grace." Yeah. It is used. Do you over want to turn the page here? Over. Oh, fine. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, let's cue that up. You've been there. Go. Thank you. Yeah. So it's a it's a cherished phrase in the um, branch of the family tree that we grew up in, mm-hmm. and uh, also super super technical. Yeah. There's three just in a few words here there's three of the biggest religious technical terms in all of christendom here mm-hmm. so, oh wow yeah that's fun oh, yeah man. saved faith and grace in the 
the traditional oh, versions of those just like the greatest hits yeah and there's one of those phrases too where like if you misquoted it like my professors in seminary were real quick to like nope you said it wrong like you had to use the right prepositions so you couldn't ever say saved by faith it had to be saved through faith by grace because you there's some very precise ha- arguments that are built yeah. around that yeah yeah because you don't want any any hint at that you might have anything to do with the saving um it's only being done to you yeah there's nothing participatory in their in their story right. in their telling of the story right because then you wouldn't be completely turdy yeah no turd no true turd can polish itself right uh, mm-hmm. only god can you need the divine dung beetle for that i don't know oh. yeah i don't know it took a weird turn. Uh, no shit. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Uh, okay. Let's go. So you have been saved through faith by grace, or you have been liberated through faithfulness because of generosity. Hmm. Liberated is pretty, pretty much, I don't know if it's a hundred percent, but it's pretty much how I've been translating the word sozo, um, if the Greek word that's traditionally saved. Um, yeah. And it carries this, I, it's like saved isn't technically wrong, um, but it just has so much baggage now of meaning other very specific theological things instead of like just what the word save could possibly mean in, in, in English language. Um, but it has to do with protection. Um, it could be used preventatively, like protecting that way, or it could be used as a response to people who have been attacked or captured or imprisoned, and you're rescuing them, liberating them from that. Um, and that clearly is the, the context here, because it's they were in this one place and they've been brought out of that to a freedom to have yeah. been rescued from that. So it's liberated, uh, makes the most sense. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know about you, but liberated lands really differently than saved for me, mostly because of my history with the word saved in Christian contexts. Absolutely. I think one, it's really nice to get the like aroma of, evangelicalism like Adam and O's on this one, but it's mm-hmm. also like liberated has a, a social, it has a structural sense to it in a way mm-hmm. that saved doesn't like, you're not, you can be saved from a house fire. You're not liberated from a house fire. Um, right. And in the context of what we're talking about here, or what, sorry, of what um, Paul is talking about is yeah, you're being brought from the, the power of like the, the basis power you can get. Like you're settling for all these like little pissing matches among like different power dynamics in the world. That status mm-hmm. quo, that's what you're being liberated out of. You're being saved out of it too. But because that's the flow and, and, you, and the way that that status quo is in, inhabited the desires of your body, right? Mm-hmm. That's the story that Paul is telling. So it makes great sense to retain that status quo 
defeat and our our redemption or liberation or salvation out mm-hmm. of that, why not, yeah, enunciate this notion of of being liberated from it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Christ has broken the power of the status quo to claim hold of your life, your neighborhood, your watershed. That is not the reality that we're going to be living in anymore. And right. saved, it's just way too easy in a culture that still has some partial like biblical literacy. It certainly haunts us like the, uh, the word saved. People often think of, if not like saving a document or a video game, <laughs> they think of Jesus. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm a fan of liberated. Yeah. Hey, it's not about uh, making sure you go to heaven instead of hell when you die. No, nope. there's a much more present meaning than that. Yeah. And yeah, none of this is talking about afterlife. This is all talking about how we are in the world instead of the way that the world system has structured it. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we go to, back to, we've talked before about the, the metaphors for sin or deviation that come from the Hebrew Bible that Jesus used all over the place that like the idea of debt or burden, like the burden of like oppression or suffering and debt being really connected in the culture with slavery. It's, it's less literal now, but the same thing happens too. Like if you have a bunch of debt, then like you are kind of slave to like just working paycheck to paycheck to try to work it off. Like it's, these things are still happening if, if not in quite as explicit ways, but um, mm. being freed from a debt that leads you toward being enslaved to pay it off, being freed from an oppressive burden of suffering. Yeah. And like, that's liberation. That's, there is not, there's no other way to get, to tie all these things together throughout the entire like cover to cover of the Bible that, that holds all those things that's, that doesn't include this concept of liberation. Mm-hmm. So the next word in this string here is usually faith. Uh, and it's usually mm-hmm. the faith being referred to is your own. And that means. Yeah. And in, in individuals faith, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you've got faithfulness here. Yep. Which I feel like it's a good time to remind all of us that there's this entire book of Ephesians is addressed to an audience as a whole. All of the yous are plural. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not about an individual being liberated because they had blind faith and received God's grace in spite of the fact that they're a turd. I'm going to see how many times we can use that word today. Um, There's a couple of different ways that we could interpret it as faithfulness. One being Christ's faithfulness, 
yeah um which works or it could be the church's faithfulness we're not talking about an individual person yeah yeah but it's that that greek word that is traditionally faith that we've talked about before that kind of has built into it the sense of both trust and a faithful response to that trust, a commitment and allegiance, like all of it kind of wrapped in there. And it, you lean on one or other of those things, depending on the context, but they're all related. Yeah. The related concepts, they depend on each other. Um, now, grammatically here, what I'm used to is, uh, you know, through faith by grace and mm-hmm. grace is the like right making mojo of unmerited uh uniform action by god mm-hmm. right and uh even then our faith is only because of the singular right making mojo of god uh and yeah. so i can i can know i know in that telling of the story what is happening here but You've been liberated through faithfulness, whether it's Jesus's or all y'all's, mm-hmm. because of generosity. That feels like, wait, what's generosity got? To, like, I understand why generosity is a, maybe it's a non-technical way of saying grace. Yeah. How does, that, how does this work here? Because I don't hear God in this in the way that I can infer that with the word grace. Or is that even, am I missing? I don't think you have to. Like, it explains <laughs> it in the next sentence. It's God's gift. <laughs> Keep reading, dumbass. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. Eight words and, later. Yeah. And, and there's this pretty consistent tradition throughout the whole Greek Testament, too, of anytime an action is kind of like happening to someone without it explicitly naming who's doing it, it's usually implied that it's God. Um, yeah. The, that I don't remember. It's the passive voice. And there's a specific term for it that I don't remember, but, um, but that's kind of the thing there. And, and even if it weren't the impulse to like force everything to be what we would consider spiritual is a constant in how people approach these things. And my, my hope is coming back to it over and over and over and let the damn thing speak for itself mm-hmm. and don't try to force it to say something that you think is spiritual. So, um, so if we're talking about like, we've been liberated through faithfulness because our neighbors have given us a bunch of food and clothes and a place to live, maybe then let's let it say that if that's what it's saying, I think, you know, it, it's not getting that specific here, but it could be if the next sentence were different, right? I love that take on it. And as I read the next like couple things here, it's not because of you. It's God's gift. It's not because of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. So no one should take pride right. in it. Yeah. So the, this context helps clarify, oh yeah, this is from God. Um, mm-hmm. But let's let the context do that and not just assume that a word like grace has to be referring to that. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I feel like just a little squirmy about like I still can't intuit 
quite okay is it god's generosity is it god's generosity through the church is it hmm, how do i i don't think those <laughs> can be separated they can be the generosity but, yeah. through jesus yeah through the body of christ um and the kind of the whole point of that image of the body of christ is that that is how christ is still present and active in the world is through the church Mm-hmm. Is at least in that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And generosity, re- part of why I like the word generosity is because it it does call to mind kind of a, a financial element to it, but it doesn't have to. Um, why it's important that it does is because of... The, of all the debt metaphors that are used for sin and for things not going the way they're supposed to be and for what we need to be liberated from. Right. So having a financial solution to that in the metaphor family seems really important. Um, Hmm. The Greek word charis is about giving. Um. So like the word gift there in the next sentence is related. It's let's find out where it is. I can look at it. It's uh, it's the word for give, but in a noun form, something that is given. Yeah. So generosity being connected with giving, that makes sense. Hmm. Well, and then, yeah, to try out uh, extending the financial lens of through this, it'd be fascinating to just play around with. It's not because of your hard work mm-hmm. uh, or your heavy labor or your capital, like the, <laughs> to really say, right. yeah, your Protestant work ethic isn't doing no what you think it is makes me think of the parable in Matthew about the, the landowner who pays everybody the same, even though they started their work day at different times. Yeah. Um, yeah and like... people are pissed about it and he's like, Hey, are you mad at me because I'm being generous? Like seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and generous doesn't only, even in current English usage, generous doesn't only have to do with giving material things like um you can talk about responding to somebody who wronged you and you responded with grace you can say oh that was a really generous response like that is part of how we use this word it's about you you didn't take everything you could (laughs) yeah it's about responding positively in a way that allows goodness for another person that isn't about whether or not they deserve it. It's not in spite of, it just has nothing to do with whether or not they deserve it. It has to do with, I'm a generous person, who I am as the giver. Mm. And so like the whole idea of grace, I think we've brought this up before, the saying that I've grew up with in church and have heard since of like, mercy is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting what you don't deserve is a bad definition of both of those words. It's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
the, it has nothing to do with the recipient. It's about the character of the person responding with those things. Mm-hmm. Like there's another point where, where the status quo that we're being liberated from is used to being like, you're a turd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the climax of God's like yeah. uh, full care and commitment to the liberation of all things. Like they, they want to make sure Every every little juncture along the way, like every every chapter should begin and end with you suck. (laughs) I think it's because they've taken away so much of what actually makes the good news good that they then have to, like, add in a bunch of bad news so that if you feel really grateful for the relief when they finally give it. Yeah, like we don't we've got enough bad news like. Mm-hmm. the rich are getting richer the powerful are getting more powerful the people who have the microphones are trying to take them away from people without them the land is being taken from the people from people like it's shit's hard enough we don't need more bad news we mm-hmm. get it we get it yeah yeah it reminds me of when i did a a conference in high school growing up where it was all about getting everybody excited and then learning how to convert people, basically. Um, A week-long thing of like three hours of class in the morning about how to argue really well that you're right about the Bible and and spirituality. And then the best ways to persuade people that they need this good news. Uh, And then you go out for three or four hours and the the beaches and malls of San Diego where this conference was and just like walk up to strangers and try to use those skills. Uh, and the opening lines was stuff like, what would happen to you if you died tonight? Basically like, have you been a good boy? Uh, like, are, do you God deserve been, to go to heaven or not? You apart. Yeah. And the answer is supposed to be for every single person. No, you're not good enough. And So you have to try to convince them of that first, often by asking like leading questions of trying to get them to talk about when they've made bad decisions and then convince them, well, because of that, you deserve to be tortured endlessly for all of forever. Uh, But you don't have to worry about that now because I've got the solution for you. It's like so snake oil salesman. Kind of, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like convincing people they have an illness that they don't have, so that you can sell them the medicine for it. Mm-hmm. But there's actually real problems that people might really want ways of responding to that could help that they don't need to be convinced of. If you have to convince them there's a problem, maybe they don't need your solution. You're losing. You've yeah. lost already. Yeah. 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 And boy, the manifold shapes that God's grace, the generosity of creator takes is just so lost in this, Mm -hmm. um, reducing it to you're a turd, but Mm -hmm. turd comma, but, uh, (laughs) well, you know what, on that note, maybe some of both, let's, let's wrap it on that. Yeah. Uh, uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you everybody. Uh, tuning in we're thankful as always for your company 
The easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or a review or a like or a share or whatever in the app or player or website you've been enjoying this on. That makes it easier for more people to find the show. Second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor for just $5 a month. When you do that, you get comment access on the translation's Google Doc and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody.